Hey, good morning, everyone. It was a good day today. Didn't the kids do great? And just having Leslie share with us from Columbia. And uh, got a baptismal service today. We just, we're just doing it all today. So we're, just, we're so glad you came and those of you that are watching online. Um, I, uh, on Wednesday, I tweaked my back. How many of you have ever had back problems? Can you just say, Pastor Barton, I feel so bad for you right now. Can you just... And thank you, thank you. And I did something. I think I might have herniated my disc. It's it's bad. I was this morning. I go. I think I'll feel better. And then this morning, I'm laying there going, "Gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get up." So I text Pastor Brandon. I said, "Pastor Brandon, you may have it all this morning. Just pray." So I'm here. Praise God. So I'm glad for that. Yes. So we are so glad that you're here, and we are um, we're continuing a series in looking at the birth of Christ and why. Um, the birth of Christ matters. And we've been looking at the incarnation of Jesus, where God actually becomes man, fully God and fully man. And what I'm going to use today is I'm going to use a passage of Scripture that normally you probably are not going to hear in Christmas messages, but it has everything to do with the birth of Christ, the heart of Christ, the heart of God, and the heart that he desires for us to have today. Now, let me, let me just see, let me give a, a, a sermon within a sermon this morning. So let me just get, can I do that just real quick? Because you're not going anywhere. You've locked the doors. No. Um, I, I just think in, our, in the day and age that we live in today, um, we need the spirit of Christ more than ever. We, we need to hear his voice. We need to have his heart. We need to have his compassion. We need to stay on task. We need to stay on the gospel. And no matter where, Know how polarized we are in our opinions. We are the church of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we are called to love and we are called to serve. And what we see within the incarnation of Christ is the humility of God. We see how humble our God is to leave his throne, to leave his glory, to leave paradise, to come into our mess to not be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for you and I. That is at the heart of the incarnation, and we can't miss that in our world today, no matter how crazy it might get. And I know everybody has opinions. We all have opinions, don't we? We all got our opinions. But at the heart of it, are we serving each other? Are we foregoing some of our own personal preferences as for the betterment of the body of Christ? And what Paul will hit here. As we read in Philippians, Paul's going to hit at the core of what keeps us unified. And what he's going to use is the example of Jesus and what he did for us through the incarnation that will keep us unified in difficult times. Listen, church, plug in. These times are testing us. I want to pass the test. I want to know that I'm following Christ and doing what he wants us to do and not getting diverted to one side or the other, but stay in the middle. Leslie, you got me fired up. Leslie got me fired up already. I was going to say, keep going, Leslie, just keep going. Um, I think it's good for us to know that even in difficult times, that Jesus is still on the throne and he's not going anywhere. And we need to make sure that we're doing what the Father desires us to do. And so that's why I want to look at um, the incarnation today. John in, in his gospel says this about the word in John 1.14. He says, the word became flesh and made his 
dwelling among us. He lived among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So what we see in Jesus is both divine and his human nature at the same time. We've talked about this in the past weeks. Being fully God and fully man, he did not have to pick between his divinity and his humanness. Jesus was not simply like man. He is and in every way entirely man and was like us in every way except for sin. And so God chose to come and live in our mess. And we have a God who is not far off, who's unsympathetic. We have one who can relate to us. And so what I want us to do is gain a greater appreciation of the incarnation of Christ and to help us understand why his birth is so incredible. Because, you know, us looking back over 2,000 years, we have the word of God, we can understand about the incarnation, but can you think about the incarnation for those that first heard it? It makes no sense. Virgin birth, God becoming man, this, this makes no sense. But what we're going to see in Scripture today, it makes perfect sense of why God chose to come the way he did. That is why I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus is completely different from any other religious figure that I know. We have God himself coming to live among us, to serve us, not be served, and then to give his life for us. We have a beautiful, perfect savior, a perfect example of God's heart in his son, Jesus. And so what I want to look at is I want to look at Paul's letter to the Philippians, because what Paul does is in chapter 2, he shares the incarnation of Christ and how the incarnation of Christ should change the way we live and relate to one another. So at the end of the day, we can believe something is true, yet not allow it to change us personally. So here's the issue. You know, my parents brought us to church when we were younger, and we'd go to Christmas Eve service. We, we went to church pretty much every week, went to Sunday school. And, um, and I can remember hearing about the Christmas story, and it's not like I didn't believe in it. Um, I believed it, and I'd listened to it, and I thought it was neat. It was something we did a- every year, but it wasn't personal. And it wasn't until I came into this personal relationship with Jesus Christ that I actually understood the purpose for Jesus coming and why he came, and why he died for our sins. And what Paul's going to do in Philippians chapter 2, he's going to make this very point to the Philippian church that the incarnation has to do everything with your life and how it changes you and how it changes your relationships with one another. How many of you can say, yeah, my relationships could be a little better? Or you may have a strained relationship. Or you're thinking, man, I don't like Christmas because I know about that Christmas gathering at my family. And I'm going to have to uh, run into Uncle Joey. I'm going to run into Aunt Myrtle. And I just, we don't get along. And I'm not looking forward to that, right? It got real quiet in here, right? I know it can be a tense time of the year. But I believe Philippians chapter 2 hopefully will change our hearts. And give us the heart of Christ. So let's see what Paul says here. We're going we're gonna to dive into this. One of, one of my favorite passages in the New Testament concerning the person and the character of Christ. I love this. Paul says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tender and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So here's Paul's prayer for this church and for us. Verse 3 says, Do nothing 
out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in pride, value yourself above everyone else. Just checking to see if you guys are following along, okay? Just seeing if you're listening. All right. But he says, but rather in what? In humility, value others above yourself. Not looking out for your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as of Christ Jesus. Now, he's going to go into the incarnation and why the incarnation is so important and why the incarnation changes our hearts, changes our relationships, and helps us to understand the character of God. So here's what he says, and we're going to dig into this. He says, Who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage? Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We serve a humble Savior. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and in earth and under and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the church said amen. Amen to God's word. L- listen to Paul's understanding. He understands something very vital about the incarnation. What he wants the listeners to understand is the incarnation will help us to know God and his heart and it will help us to get along with each other. Paul's prayer for the church is that they would not be divided, that they would walk in unity, that they would walk in in love together. Now, why don't we get along at times? Why don't we get along at times? Well, what Paul stresses here is that at the core of every conflict is selfishness. We're not getting our own way. At the core of every conflict is selfishness. Actually, Paul uses the word selfish ambition. And what selfish ambition is, basically it's looking to advance my agenda. It's, it's self-promotion. It's an attitude that causes division. And Paul said, this should not be among the church. Let's have the same attitude of Jesus. Let's be Christ-centered in the way we look at our relationships. Let's be Christ-centered in the way we look at our world and all the things we disagree with maybe in our world today. Let's have the heart of Christ. Let's be Christ-centered. So at the root of quarrels is this word vain conceit. So what does that mean? Well, I like how the King James Version uses that word. The King James uses the same word vain conceit and calls it vain glory. Vain glory. It literally means to be glory empty. It's pride. It's, it's vanity. We, we are glory empty. There's no substance Vain conceit means to be empty. We, we, we look to fill ourselves with attention and to be noticed, and, and we want to be noticed, and, and, and we want to be filled with the wrong, in the wrong ways. And so what Paul says here, to be vain glory means to be empty. There's no substance. We're looking to fill our lives uh, with things that glorify ourselves. It has no substance. And so to be self-promoting and vain is what causes quarrels among us. We're looking 
to serve ourselves and not looking to serve others first. Now, when I was um, younger, about five years old at Christmas time, I have a twin sister and an older sister who's about two and a half years older than us. And my dad had his, uh, if you guys remember that, you're old like me, the eight millimeter films. Remember the eight, eight, was it eight millimeter or 16 millimeter? Where's dad? Eight millimeter dad? Eight? Good, I got it right. Okay, so we had this eight millimeter camera. And my parents showed the worst of me. Not me opening my gifts and look how wonderful our little boy is. They spent 45 minutes of me, this video of me fighting over the pedal car that they gave my older sister. The cool, this cool green pedal car. Was, and I thought it was for me. No, it was for my sister. Now, my sister wouldn't get out. She smacked me in the head. So I slashed the tires of the car, and that was him. She couldn't ride anymore. No, I'm teasing. So it, in this 8-millimeter film, you see this vain glory of me trying to get access to this beautiful uh, pedal car that my sister had. You see, what, what Paul is trying to show us here is that the incarnation shows us a different way. It's, it's not just, you know, think about your manger scenes, right? You've got, the, you've got baby Jesus, and he's in the hay, and you've got, you know, the shepherds around with their staffs, and you've got the wise men there with the camels, which isn't really correct. The wise men came later. So kind of put your camels and the wise men further off the scene because they'll make their way sooner or later. So just to get our manger scenes all straightened out, right? It looks so, you know, it looks so nice, and everything's just all nice and perfect, right? We, 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 we need to get an image of the incarnation of something that Jesus did, that he left. He left his heavenly home to come in the midst of our mess, to be placed in a manger. Christmas Eve, I'm going to talk, I've got three points on why the manger is so important. So you can't miss Christmas Eve. I'm just going to talk about the manger and why that is so significant in scriptures because three times we're going to see uh, it used in the scriptures and God didn't want us to miss the manger. So you've got to come Christmas Eve or watch online to, to get that message, but I'm excited about it. God showed us that, listen, this is the way to my heart. The way to my heart is through humility. And so the incarnation shows us a different way. What we understand is Christmas is all about giving. God giving us something we didn't deserve. So the incarnation of Christ teaches us about the character of God. Jesus came in humility. He was born in the most meager surroundings. And so what Paul does, he makes this very point by saying that we counter selfishness through a correct understanding of the incarnation. The incarnation should change us. It should show us the heart of God and how we're to treat one another. And so what Paul gives us, he gives us the answer for healthy relationships, not only with God, but healthy relationships with one another. Because it starts with us. The hardest person to change is who? It's your wife, isn't it? That's the hardest person. No. Who, who is the hardest person to change? It's ourselves, isn't it? Because we just we we don't like the way other people do it. That we can do it better. We always say to ourselves, "Why are they doing it that way? Isn't there a much better way of doing it?" And if I were there, I would tell them that right. We always know that there's a better way. We think that if everyone would just get it together, then my life would be much easier. If everyone would just get it together, then my life would be so much easier. But Paul tells us to have the same mindset as Christ. And so what Jesus does is. 
he leaves us this example of humility. And humility is the opposite of vain conceit or vain glory. So how did Jesus show and live humility? Well, Paul explains it through his incarnation. And what he says is Jesus was God, came from heaven, yet did not use his position to exploit or take advantage of us. He didn't use his position to even benefit himself. Everything he does and did on earth benefited you and I. Paul talks about this in Romans 15.3 when he says, For even Christ didn't live to please himself. As the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. So what did Christ do? What Paul says is that Christ made himself nothing. So what did, he, what did Paul mean by that? It's this Greek word, kenosis. And the Greek word kenosis there means to be empty or to pour out. And so what Paul is saying is Jesus willingly laid down his privileges. He could take them up, but he willingly laid them down. Jesus never gave up his divine attributes when he became man, but he willingly laid down those privileges. I like what the ESV study notes say about kenosis or this idea of him making himself nothing. Paul is stressing that Christ, who had all the privileges that were rightly his as a king of the universe, gave them up to become an ordinary Jewish baby bound for the cross. So it's interesting about the word kenosis is the way that it's used in these passages because it's actually used twice but in different ways. There's a way that Jesus showed kenosis and there's a way that we show kenosis. Let me show the differences. Vain conceit in verse 3 means to empty. It's not real. It's fluff. It has no substance. See, when we try to fill ourselves with our glory, that's vain glory. It's empty. It has nothing. It has no substance. It's, it's fluff and utter. How many know what fluff and utter is, right? I used that down south. No one knew what it was. They don't sell fluff and utter down there. Someone came up to me after the service and says, Pastor, what in the world is fluff and utter? I said, oh, you haven't lived until you tried fluff and utter. So it's, if you don't know what fluff and utter is, get a life. No, if you don't know what fluff and utter is, it's a marshmallow thing that you put with peanut butter and jelly sandwich or peanut butter sandwiches. It's really good. But basically, this is, what, this is the way kenosis is used. We're, we're this vain glory, and what Jesus does, he's, he gives up these privileges to serve us, to become a servant. In verse 7, Jesus made himself nothing, or he emptied himself. And the word kenosis is used again. See, see, what we're trying to do is we're trying to fill our side, ourselves or make ourselves better because we are empty. And so we are glory hungry, wanting attention. That's why our relationships so many times are tension filled or unhealthy because of vain glory. But Jesus, full of glory, willingly empties himself of his privileges to become a servant. To be placed in a manger. To eventually die on a cross for you and I. And what, what Paul is trying to stress by using the incarnation as this example to the Philippian church, because he wants the health of the church to be unified around Christ. The thing that will splinter a church quicker than anything else is when we begin to demand our rights. 
You see, Jesus has purchased us with his blood. And when he does that, what we end up doing is we lay down our rights at the foot of the cross. You see, we can't, what what Paul is stressing here is we can't go to God in pride. We must come to him in humility. Then God will fill us. He will fill us with his glory and he will fill us with his spirit. I think the reason why we don't get along many times is because of that vain glory. We've emptied ourselves of the very person who needs to fill us with his glory. When that begins to happen, we don't necessarily look for our rights to be fulfilled all the time. We say, God, what's best for your church? And I'm not talking about sin or things that could hurt the church. We need to speak the truth to those things. Amen? That's what I'm not saying. But what I am saying, when it comes to opinions and personal preferences that that have nothing to do with the gospel or our salvation or our sin... Sometimes we need to say, you know what, I need to lay down maybe my personal preferences for the betterment of the whole, for the betterment of the body, to lift them up. Lean in. We need to hear that today. We need to get a new grasp of the incarnation and what Jesus actually did for you and I. Listen, the church, the world needs to see the church and how we love each other. The example that we are his disciples, Jesus said, is by how we love one another through all our idiosyncrasies, all our quirks. And we all have our quirks, don't we? Please say amen. Amen. Hit your spouse. You're quirky. I'm quirky. We all have our quirks, right? And if we can learn to love each other through our quirks, and our different opinions, and begin to listen to each other to hear where we're coming from, I believe we elevate Christ in our midst and allow him to be glorified in our midst. So what we do is we empty ourselves of our pride, our conceit, and that is the only way we can come to God. The incarnation of Jesus was an act of true humility, The true spirit of Christmas is becoming empty. Less of me. And more about listening to others and serving them. That's the spirit of Christmas and the incarnation. Um, Last week I saw a... um, a clip that went viral online. There's a basketball game that was played against two top 25 college teams. Um, It was number 14, Houston, against number nine, Alabama. And um, the game was close. It went right down to the wire. And there was a real controversial call at the end of the basketball game where it looked as if um, Alabama... Um, goaltended. And if that were the case, Houston would have gone up, I think, a point, a point or two, and probably could have won the game. Well, they didn't call it, and Houston ended up losing the game. Well, as the players were leaving the basketball court, someone, it was at Alabama, someone from Alabama had their phone on, tape recording it, videoing it. And you watch one of the assistant coaches go out 
And one, I can't, I can't kick real hard because my back, but, but one just kicks the chair and just knocks it over. And then another Houston player comes in and takes the garbage can and just throws the garbage can down and garbage goes all over. And someone, you know, they're videoing this and the, the crowd's getting into it. You poor sports, you know. Blah, blah. And, but there was one player from Houston that stopped. His name was Jamal Shedd. Jamal Shedd's their guard. He stops. He's a starting player, starting guard. He stops, and he picks up the trash that was left by one of his teammates. And he picks up the trash can, and he begins to go get on his knees and pick up all the trash and put it back in the trash can. I was reading some of the comments that people wrote. Someone wrote, his mama raised him right. Yeah. <laughs> what I loved about Jamal's actions were he could have easily said, this isn't my mess. You pick it up. And could have easily walked through. But through humility, Jamal bent down and picked up somebody else's trash. Jesus came down into our mess to deal with your trash. He didn't have to. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Listen, listen, church. The incarnation is all about bowing. It's all about bending. It's all about humility. And it's allowing God to fill you. I thought, what a great example of humility that this young man on the Houston basketball team displayed. I don't know if he's a Christian or not. I don't know. But, but that display of humility is how Christ wants us to be, how Christ wants us to act. Less of me, more of you, Jesus. If Christmas will mean anything to you this year, then understand how powerful the incarnation is. And if you want Christmas to be real to you, then that word kenosis has to be real to you where I empty myself of my vain glory and what I want. And I allow you to fill me, Jesus, with your presence and your glory. Because if Jesus' spirit is within us, it's going to be seen in the way we treat each other. It's going to be seen the way we live in our world today. Not that we don't have discussions or we don't have opinions. We all have them. Can we please do one thing and do it in the spirit of Christ first? And let's remember that our testimony for what we believe in Jesus is at stake. It's the most important thing is your testimony. The reason why this video went viral is he did something that no one else was going to do. So may we do the things that no one else is willing to do. May we show grace and love everyone else wants to jump on and hate and cause discord. Church, let's be different and let's walk in the spirit of Christ. May the incarnation and Jesus emptying himself and taking on the form of a servant to serve you and I 
May that be the spirit that's within us as we follow our Savior. Amen? I love you guys. I do. And there's nothing more that I want for our church than to walk in the spirit of Jesus, that we're the first ones to forgive, that we're the first ones to show grace, that we stand on the truth of God's word absolutely. Everybody say amen. But just as John said, Jesus came in that spirit of truth and he came in love that we balance those things together. So Lord, give us wisdom to do that. Amen. So let me pray for you and we're going to close in song and then um, we're going to baptize two people today and I'm very excited about our baptismal service today. So we're going to do it right after, so stay and we'll sing and then uh, Brandon's going to get in the tank because I think if I got in the tank, I wouldn't be able to get out of the tank. So I, I don't know. It's not going to work. So, But uh, I appreciate Pastor Brandon just doing that for us today. Amen. Is God good? So listen, this week when you're at that family party or whatever and uh, Aunt Myrtle is there, just just love Aunt Myrtle. Just love where the love of the Lord, right? And let's let's allow the humility of what we see in the incarnation envelop our hearts today and be the followers that Jesus called us to be. So Father God, I just want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for your presence. I want to thank you, Jesus, for the example that you set before us. I thank you for the passage that Paul wrote of what it truly means to be a follower of you and and Lord, the humility that comes with that, that, that we're not looking out for our own interests, but we're looking out for the interest of others. So Lord, help us not to be polarized to the things that would poison us, the things that would divide us. Help us to walk in that grace and that truth and bind us together, Lord. Bind our church together with cords that cannot easily be broken. So Lord, we thank you for your example and your love, Jesus. And for anyone that's sitting here or watching online that has not made that commitment to you, Jesus, I thank you that you receive all who come to you. I thank you that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for us and receiving us just as we are. So I pray you do that today. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We'll close in song and then we'll do the baptismal service. God bless you.